get ready for your daily dose of Tuttle. The all-time greatest uh, intern slash producer we've ever had, of course, Tuttle. Tuttle in Florida. It's Tuttle's Daily Podcast. Nice cock! Nice cock! I'm Charlie Alamo. You might have heard me on such daily podcasts as maybe Tuttle's. Maybe you never heard me. Maybe you've never seen me. Thank God that you haven't. All I'm here to do right now is basically shill out, check out Tuttle.net, T-U-D-D-L-E.net. The man is the one-stop shop for content. I mean, shit, he gave me a fucking opportunity to do shit, and who the fuck am I? So, thank God for Tuttle. God bless them. Check out the sponsors. Check out everything. Just go to Tuttle.net. It's T-U-D-D-L-E.net. The motherfucker was on every sort of social media before anybody else. So he's like social media cockroach. Everything's at Tuttle. T-U-D-D-L-E. And if you're not following any of those things, I don't know why not. Because literally, if you're checking this out and you're not following him, the fuck are you doing, man? Get your shit together. Naomi, how are you? Hello. Now, I see you must be in Jack's Yankee room, it looks like here. Yes, I set this up just for your your viewing pleasure. (laughs) (laughs) I've been over one time before to play video games with Jack when I was there, and the Yankee room was not that big whenever I was there the last time. He's got all types of big stuff in there now. Well, he consolidated all of his things that he took from the office, his old office, and all the various Yankee things and just put it in the one bedroom and repainted it. He's got his little wallpaper up there and everything, so. Now, a lot of people don't even know Jack is such a Yankees fan. What is the name of y'all's dog? Dieter. (laughs) Dog for 10 years, and he and his mother were like, no, we don't want a dog. And I was like, please. My friend came up with this dog, and he looked perfect. And I said, please. And he's like, all right, but I'm going to name him. And I'm like, I don't care. You can call him Cheese Sandwich. You know, I I just want a dog. So I won. I got my dog and his name is Jeter. Before we get into the discussion, tell everybody what you're working on right now. A lot of the content. You have a blog, Tracing Trauma, correct? You just go online, tracingtrauma.com or any of the social media platforms under that same name, Tracing Trauma. I have about only six blogs up there right now because I just started six weeks ago. I'm brand new. But but the writing is good. See, I wish I could write because I'm more of a communicator. I write how I talk. Not good. Add all those commas or exclamation, you know, all the punctuation. It's just one big, big run on sentence for me. You can learn that kind of stuff and, and they have spell check. I mean, to be honest, the way I do things is I talk into my phone. I, I have oh, Google Docs. Yeah, I have Google Documents, but my typing is crap. So I talk, and then I read it, and I take out, you know, the extra ands and buts, and uh, you know, I do it that way. And then when I feel like I have something of substance, I switch to my laptop and uh, you know do some there. But I'm a terrible typist, so I mean, we're. You can talk. You don't even have to type, Tuttle. I'm going to have to try that. I'm going to have to try that. But my voice is so high-pitched, I'm afraid that it won't pick up my voice correctly, though. Well, you know, voice-to-text is really a strange thing, and it seems that whoever invented that is not on the same wavelength as me. 
<laughs> it, it predicts uh, i'm like what do you mean one time i was uh went to a zoom class and it was awful because everybody else was duh, 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 hey over here and i was like ah! and I, I was so upset and i texted jack and i said oh my god i i said jack i feel so caucasian <laughs> and the, it said i went to look before i hit send and it said d-o-c-k a-S-I-A-N, cock Asian. It's like, <laughs> put those two words together. I don't, I don't understand. Can I ask you, you're, you were talking about that. Now, ever you're a musician, if a lot of people don't know that. How is your rhythm? Are, are you a good dancer? Like, say if you and Jack wanted to go out and dance, are you a good dancer? Um, well, I don't know. Uh, that's anytime there's something, like, funny, Am I a good dancer? Am I funny? That is something someone else has to answer. Because oh, I can't so it's all subjective. You have to tell me if I'm a good dancer or not. But I enjoy dancing. I need a drummer when I was on stage. If mm -hmm. I do not have the drummer, uh, you know, I'm, I, my uh, rhythm is not the best when I'm alone. So you, I definitely need a beat. Now, tell people about what your topic was this week on your blog, which can be uh, found by Googling or it's just tracingtrauma.com, correct? That's correct. Um, well, I have a confession to make. Dun, dun. <laughs> um, I was trying to do a blog every week, and then yesterday I was speaking with my writing coach. He's a guy uh, named J. Aaron Sanders out of Los Angeles, and he has a blog himself called 72 Hour Hold. And he's a sexual trauma survivor like me, except for he has to deal with, you know, the layer, added layer of being a male in our society. Yeah. There are a lot of prejudices about those types of activities. And, um, you know, so he's trying to make a movie, you know, for that. And uh, he's also uh, been a professor of writing for over 20 years. So I got, How'd you meet him? I met him on Twitter. Oh, you did? <laughs> well, Is it Twitter great? Twitter can be the best thing in the world, but it can also be the worst. It really can. Yeah. No, I, I, I observed that, but I only joined it a couple of months ago. And the first day I was on there, I posted something and tweeted at, uh, at uh, William Shatner about my grandmother because she told me that she slept with him. So I'm like, at William Shatner, hey, and I had a bunch of sexy stage pictures of my grandma, and I'm like, Grandma says she slept with you. What say you? And he answered me, and it was the oh, first he day. Did. <laughs> he did, and it was the first day I was on Twitter. So then I had this fantasy that I can talk to anyone on Twitter, and they will answer me. So I, I saw J. Aaron Sanders, and I read his work, and it was the first time I had ever heard anyone describe what he has and i have a ptsd bubble and that's where something triggers you and suddenly you turn into for my case i was four years old when i was sexually assaulted i turned into a four-year-old and afraid of all the things a four-year-old is afraid of and be and not being rational whatsoever because i am not four i am 54. so when that happens you have to kind of have a set of protocols in place to protect yourself. But if mm -hmm. you don't know that you have PTSD and you don't know what's happening to you, that is frightening, you know? I bet it is. Now, let me, did you, all right, so this happened to you before five. Did you go oh, through a period? Before five. Okay, so did you go through a period where, because 
I've had things happen in my past that I kind of just put somewhere. I, I, I put it in a compartment and, and I didn't think about it. Did you go through that at all? Were you, were you kind of blocked it out? Yeah, well, here's the thing about your brain. It's a magnificent organ. I mean, think about that it is designed that if something terrible happens to you, whether you be a child or an adult, it has protective measures so that you don't become, you know, it's trying to keep you from being memory. You know, if it's overwhelming, it kind of puts it in a box in your brain, you know, so that you can function in everyday life. And, but and then every so often you're up in your brain and just like those old Christmas ornaments up in the attic, you, you somehow find them and open them up and you're like, oh, I should open up this box. Yeah, well, the thing is, is that when you have the trauma occur, there is a separation of your brain and your body. But the body, you know, pre-verbal and, and during all these episodes, it stores that trauma. And whether you decide to deal with it or you are aware of it or not, it's going to come out. And that's what happened to my writing coach, Aaron, is that he had been sober 10 years in AA. And then all of a sudden he just started having freakouts. Like, you know, he was playing in the traffic, you know, and he's like, what's going on? His life was perfect and good and everything was fine. And then all of a sudden these emotional outbursts of anger, inappropriate fear. And when he went to a therapist, he was diagnosed with complex PTSD and it came out, it, you know, suddenly they realized it was because of his sexual trauma that he had as a young child. So that stuff was inside of him his whole life. He wasn't even aware of it. And so imagine how frightening that is. Me, I was aware because I tried to tell. My verbal uh, centers in the brain formed pretty young because I come from yeah. a long line of singers. So I was verbal and was singing around the same age that those things happened to me, you know? So music was a big part of my able ability to recover and function as well as I have in my life. How important has your husband Jack been in, in, in helping you through this process? Like how important it is to have a partner to be able to understand what you're going through and, and support you? Um, Jack is a fantastic partner. He's always been supportive, but I would like to add that it's difficult for him to understand what I'm going through. And that's yeah. one of the reasons why I'm writing this blog is so that the voices of trauma survivors can be heard so that people can understand how our brains work, why we're acting the way we are, that we are good people and that we love and we, we cry and we get angry just like everyone else. But our brain circuitry is a little bit different because of the things that we went through. Yeah, and now, has, any, has anybody reached out to you to share their stories? I mean, you don't have to give any details, but... I'm, I'm just trying to figure because a lot of people ask me when, when I tried to harm myself uh, back in September, why I went on the air, why I shared. I did it for myself as well as I thought maybe somebody's going through what I went through. It might be able to help them out. Have you had any of those people that have reached out to you and said, hey, I've gone through this? Absolutely. The first day that I wrote that piece, a good friend of mine named Craig Smith, he's a great guitar player, and he has a blog called Life in 12 Keys, and it's a guitar player's blog, 
And I always knew Craig as a badass guitar player, an intellectual, but also with a very sharp sense of humor. You know, like he's not going to take any shit from anybody. Kind of guy. <laughs> yeah. And um, I always, you know, wondered about that part of him because there was always that kind of edge to him. And I, I wondered, boy, there's a story there. And I was right. Uh, he shared with me about his childhood trauma. And it's on my blog under the um, guest blog section i invite anybody who's listening if you have a story you could be anonymous if you want to if it's a trauma story from your childhood uh that you'd like to share look at craig's story and he was beautifully eloquent in, in his uh you know childhood fight to you know get with his mother's choices and how he had to deal with her boyfriends and how that affected him as a kid and as an adult. And his sister, who never talked about this stuff, uh, she saw what he wrote when, when he shared it with her, and then she shared it with her daughter. And they were able to have a healing moment. You know, he shared that with me. And so pretty quickly out of the gate, I was able to kind of get a little bit of, it's a healing balm for me when I'm able to see the results, you know, of my, you know, sharing things that are super embarrassing and it's scary. And then I see, oh, it helps somebody. So it makes it worthwhile. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I would think that, you know, because you're people, people look for reasons to the madness and the bad things that happen in the world. And, and I think helping out people, it, even though it sucked, what every, what we've been through, it's almost kind of worth it because you're able to help somebody else out. You know, it, it gives it a little bit more purpose, even though it was a really bad thing. Right. Well, I mean, everybody has, you know, their path and their journey that they've been on. And, and some of us have had some really crappy things happen. And some people choose to just compartmentalize and move on. And that's okay. But then there's other people like me and, 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 and yourself, I think. I sense that in oh, you, yeah. that you really have an intellectual curiosity. And I've always been that way since I was a little kid. You know, I always took things apart and I couldn't put them back together, you know, but I always touched things and I wanted to know how things work. And with the internet, uh, you know, there's a lot of people, I think, like that, that maybe don't have a formal education or maybe, you know, school isn't their bag, but they can go on the internet and they can, you know, the uh, YouTube university and learn anything you want. You could learn to be a writer. You could learn how to tie a tie. You know, you could learn how to make a jet engine if you want to. So there, could, you, could you imagine uh, if like when we were growing up, I mean, I was in high school, I was at the edge of the internet, but could you imagine how much easier and less confusing it would have been like for us as kids, if we would have had stuff like Google or the internet, I'm sure it would have led to some other problems if we were getting in trouble. But, but like, I, I just, I always thought about that, how much easier things and less confusing they would have been. Well, I don't know how old you were uh, when you, and your trauma occurred, but my trauma was very drawn out. The first... Really? Trauma happened when I was five, and if you read what I have on my blog so far, in six blogs, I've, I'm only up to age eight, 
you know, and yeah. it has not stopped yet and it is not going to stop. Um, you know, some more significant trauma occurred. Um, uh, yeah, very bad things are going to keep happening for about 10 more years. <laughs> hey, so, so I feel bad. That, no, I no, bad. no. Listen, I'm sorry you had to go through this, but I'm so proud of what you're doing because when people have a cause, when people have a mission, it gives them purpose. It gives them something to strive for. And, and it's good at what you're doing. Well, thank you, but I feel like I could definitely get better. And working with Aaron, see, here's the, the confession that I was going to tell you, is that I was going to uh, release a blog today. And, like, the part of me is, like, since I've been consulting with Aaron for six weeks, I, and he, I only paid him one time for a, a Zoom session, and he's being so nice and generous with his time and giving mm -hmm. me tips. And so I, I show it to him before I'm going to release it, but I, I feel like I want to take the training wheels off and be a big girl and do it by myself, you know? But I shared it with him yesterday, my blog that I was going to release today, which I am not. And he said, well, it's good, but it could be holy shit good. And I was like, what do you mean by that? Like, I want to be holy shit good. <laughs> and I've only started writing six, you know, honestly, I have a lot of intellectual insecurity because of all that moving and trauma when I was a kid. Even if I did have the internet, I would not have been a good student because my emotional dysregulation would throw me off track and I had a hard time learning, you know? Yeah. So that's, okay. that's part of it. Now, I, I, I talked to you uh, last Sunday on mm -hmm. my drive back home from Tampa. Mm -hmm. I, I talked to you about this, and, and I'm going to bring it up. I don't want to go into details about my stuff, but one yeah. of the questions I asked you was, is it a good idea or a bad idea to confront the person that did these things to you, people that have taken advantage of you? And you brought up some great points. You, you really did. Now, can you talk a little bit about that? Well, from my experience, I can only talk about my experience, and, and I always keep in mind that each individual has their special circumstances, you know? Mm -hmm. It's blanket. First, and also, first of all, I have to say I am not a mental health professional. I'm just a girl that knows some stuff because I want oh, yeah. you know, that's all. <laughs> but, no, you you got to be careful with this whole cancel culture going on right now. No, I'm just so being honest. Okay, no, I, no, I agree, but you, you got to cover your ass because some people will be, yeah, but you're just giving your opinion and your experiences. Yeah, but in my case, okay, um, I grew up with that dysfunctional childhood, and then as an adult, you know, in an attempt to leave it behind me, you know, I had uh, sort of concocted in my mind a story, uh, the story of Naomi. Story of Naomi, the foster child, runaway, badass, rock and roll singer, uh, and I'm a survivor, you know, but I didn't put any of the work into it as far as mental health was concerned. And I was drinking a lot and not dealing with my emotions because that's what it comes down to is these experiences that they leave you with unresolved emotions that you have to deal with that are hurting your health, 
nobody else, you know? And so that is the danger because you can get diseases from that. You know, you, you, that's why trauma survivors die sooner than other people. Now, let me, I, I brought this up. I, I think I mentioned this to you. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm a recovering alcoholic. And once an alcoholic, you're always an alcoholic. Mm-hmm. Are you always going to be a trauma survivor? Is that something yeah. you're always going to have to face throughout your life? Uh, let me ask you, if you drop a coffee cup and it shatters on the floor, you can put the coffee cup back together with glue and you can still drink coffee out of it, but it's never gonna be that same beloved coffee mug. It won't be the same anymore. My last blog, I talked about Kintsuki or Kintsuri, I can't say it right. Kintsukuroi, it's the Japanese art of golden repair, which is when something breaks, instead of throwing it away, uh, the philosophy is, you know, the resilience and the beauty of the object can be enhanced by a mixture of glue and gold or silver or platinum, but mostly gold. And then they put the object back together. So then it's a a unique work of art that, you know, highlights that philosophy. Plus it has character. And it has character, just like us, Tuttle. (laughs) Now, now, this this might be a dumb question. No, it's a dumb now, I, I, I look at the past, and I do have regrets, like, like my marriage. It, it's unfortunate it didn't work out, but I had a great time, and it shaped me as a person. It gave me new perspectives, because when you're with somebody, you kind of, I'm not saying you have to take on their characteristics, but you're more open to their opinions, and you look at things in different ways. So I never would change anything in the past. How do you think, how do you think your trauma shaped you, though? Uh, of course, we look at all the negative things. Well, there's good and bad in everything, right? And, yes. Uh, but the, what, the good things, because of my trauma, I'm very, uh, I'm very empathetic. I'm very uh, tuned into people's emotions. You know, the negative side is that it, I'm always hyper alert. Do you have trust issues? Pardon me? Do you have trust issues because... Absolutely, yes. Even being married to somebody as great as Jack for 23 years, there are still moments where I feel like maybe he'll just leave. Yeah, (laughs) but that's... Blame him, That's doubt, though. I I don't think that's trust. I think that's doubt and self-esteem because that's what I have a problem with because I'm always afraid that something... Like, I can't enjoy a good thing because I'm just waiting for right. something bad to happen and, and ruin it. Yep, that's, that's how I feel also. But why, why do we do that, though? That's a common thing for a trauma survivor because it's called hypervigilance. And it's really just a way of always scanning your environment for threats. Kind of like that flight or flight that people right. have or well, animals fight. have. Yeah. Okay, we know what that is. Flight, right? Freeze, freeze or fawn. And that's fawn is a big one for me because I will just say, oh, can I help you? Would you like something? You know, and you do that too. You're you're a big. Yes, I do. I do. Like I I apologize for everything. Uh, You you did text me back. You're like, oh, you gotta stop. But you weren't yelling at me. 
You were just like, stop apologizing. Well, the first time I remember you coming over to play games with Jack, and then I came home and then you left, and you're like, okay, well, thank you for letting me be at your house. And then you left, and then you called me on the phone to thank me again. And I'm like, okay. What? It's like, but I, I think that yes, thank you. Thank you. Who stops? You know? <laughs> I, I thought, but you know what, though? I think that comes from being an only child. And yeah. my parents, my parents, like a lot of women, does, does this bother you? Okay. Does this bother you? Do you get do you get offended when you when somebody says no ma'am or yes ma'am? Listen, I don't get easily offended in in general. As long as you don't call me a motherfucker, I'm fine. You know. Yeah, I, but some, but some some people don't understand how the South. Like I'm always afraid that my dad's gonna slap me in the back of the goddamn head. Whenever I don't say yes, ma'am, or no, ma'am, to to a woman, you know. Well, I hope he did not slap you in no, the head. No, 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 he did not. He did not. Because I feel tense <laughs> back here. Because my dad had a backhand that was pretty wicked, and he'd be driving, and then just be, <laughs> and everybody else was a quick ducker. But I yeah. had really slow reflexes. <laughs> now, can I tell you what my dad always brings us up? I remember when I got older, and I was just joking around with my dad. And I was like, I thought I was a man. I thought I was a man's man. I was like, Dad, I don't, I'm not afraid of you, uh, you know, disciplining me with a, a spanking or something. And I did something stupid. And I said, oh, man, I called him out that time. This might be bad. I stuffed my pants with stuff. And, and at this point, he was like, he didn't even like spank me because he was like, you know what? I got to give you points on being creative for stuffing underwear and all types of clothes in my pants because I like called them out for less of a beating so it wouldn't hurt as much yeah yes 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 oh well that wouldn't have worked in my house because my dad would pull our pants all the way down to expose no, they would go bare weight yeah. I don't know that's that even up to what age it's it's up. Up. Uh, it, till 10 11 12 maybe yeah, it was, but it's humiliating it was designed to humiliate. Yeah. Now, who did, was your dad the only one that did the discipline? Yes. Yeah, mine, mine was too. There was one time that my mom did, but it, it really wasn't that well, was bad. My, I had a stepmom, you know, and she was a very small person, and, but she was also uh, had manic depression. So during the time I'm going to write about, not this time, but, Coming up in a future blog, um, she ha had started to exhibit manic depressive symptoms. And I didn't know that's what it was because I was a kid and I didn't know about mental illness uh, until I started seeking some treatment for my PTSD and alcoholism. But now that I know what I know about things, <laughs> I can look at what she was doing and I can see it was mania. She was doing a lot of things that were like writing a lot in her journal about things that Naomi did, and I did not do them. <laughs> now, can, yeah. can, can, can I ask a question? You don't have to answer this. Like, sure. do you still have bad days? Because you look very, very happy, and you seem like you got your stuff together. But give me an example of what a bad day for, and you don't have to give me your worst day, but a bad day, what a bad day for recovering 
trauma survivor would be like? Because it seems like you got everything together. Well, the worst day would be if I were to be stupid enough to pick up a drink. Okay. Yeah. But I have to tell you, and that, and this doesn't mean that anybody who is abstaining from alcohol and attending a 12 step program should stop doing that. If you are doing that, you should do that and keep doing that. But for me, when I started dealing with the underlying issues of my trauma and I sought help with EMDR therapy, it was something, it was almost like, you know, the story of the lion with the mm-hmm. thorn in his paw. Yeah. It was that took away that c- compulsion. I haven't even wanted to drink one single time. Uh, but a bad day for me would be an emotionally reactive day because just because I'm not drinking, see, now I'm having to live life without the drinking isn't the hard pot part. Okay. The, dealing, the with, dealing with the flood of it, uh, emotions. Yes. It, it's dealing with not only my everyday life and the triggers that reside there, but to willingly go back in time and go through these events and write about them and process them at the same time, that's really difficult. And that's why I've decided that I'm not going to do a blog every week. I'm going to do one every other week. Because when I uh, showed you know, my writing professor this blog, he said, it's good. But he gave me a few tips to take it up to the next level, to the professional you know, level. And he said, you know, you're just starting out, but I guess because of my enthusiasm and the lack of alcohol in my brain, my intellect is returning. <laughs> yeah, I, 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 I can see that. I mean, listen, I, I will say this. I mean, the whole time I knew you, I got to tell you, you kept your shit together really well because I had no idea that this stuff happened to you. Was it that hard? Hitting up that facade. Yes, and I think that's why everything came to a head with that second DUI, because it was just like you're trying to hold up a wall by yourself and your whole life you're trying to keep all these emotions back. And then you just ah! <laughs> you know, just couldn't do it anymore. I was too tired. It took too much effort every single day to do that and find uh, that's because i was afraid that was well, like, you can be yourself now though you can yeah, be but yourself. I was afraid. when i got that dui all i could think of was shannon burke you know yeah oh yeah man you know I, all i could think of was poor jack seeing my mugshot with the thing you know on tv you know and i jack didn't even know about that though i had no i i had no clue like seriously right well it was in tampa but uh, it was online, and, and my middle schooler, she was, well, she's a high schooler now, but at the time she was a middle schooler, and I guess she was talking to her friends, and it's, what happens is if people click on it, it goes up in the trend, so her and her buddies were clicking on it, and it was like, <laughs> so when you click, when you put in Naomi Bradshaw, it was like, right away, you see me, you know, looking so sad, but, but that was before I you know, dealt with my issues and shame was a big part of my existence every single day. And now I'm not ashamed because I, I just say, you know what? Yeah, I, I got two DUIs. And so I took away the ammunition from the trolls, you know? Yeah. I, I ended up uh, spending uh, like three days in 33rd um, in Orlando, but, and, and it was, 
it, it was because um, I had e-pass, and we had moved because, once again, my my mental issues, I, my whole life fell apart. My house got repossessed and all that stuff, so we removed, or foreclosed. They repossessed cars, but it got foreclosed on. So we moved, and I didn't know my e-pass was malfunctioning, so I wasn't getting the, the letter saying that, hey, you got fined. I got pulled over for a license plate light being out, and it took me to jail that day. And now get this, just a little bit of advice. If you have mental illness and you're on medication, do not tell them, because as soon as I told them, they threw me in the psych ward. I, oh. I, oh, I, and it was an automatic, it was an, it, it was an automatic 48 hour hold. And it was not in a place with a bunch of people that are having a hard time, huh? Yeah. And, and that becomes more problematic than the situation you're in. <laughs> it's all triggers because, you know, you're with those people. Now, I want to get into something. Now, do you, do you advise, and you're a mother, you have three, actually, three daughters, yes. I think? Three daughters. Now, now, do you, how do you, for one, do you suggest speaking to your children about this, and, and how did you do it? Or is it not good to put that type of burden on them? Well, I think when you when it comes to kids, age appropriate is always important because I think it's hurtful to them to know about things before they're supposed to. And in my case, I know that for a fact because of, uh, you know, and I wrote about this in my last blog because of the fact that I was raped, you know, at five, four or five years old, uh, you know, that sexually activated me early. Yeah, I, I talked about I yeah, talked about my childhood got taken away, and and I think you don't want to do that to a kid. Now, of course, my situation was extreme, but it can also be done with, uh, you know, inappropriate sharing. Like some parents don't know how to create emotional boundaries. I had a friend whose mother would share stories of her affairs with her young eight-year-old. You know, and. Oh, it, it, when it comes to kids, you know the kid, you know their personality and their intellect, and you're aware of their age and what they should and should not use, and you use terms that are under that umbrella of, you know, appropriateness for them. And, you know, I'll, I'll tell you the truth. I feel like my family is pretty sick and tired of hearing about my trauma at this point. And I feel, as an entertainer, I feel a little bit uh, bad because I want things to be sparkly and shiny and i want everything to end with jazz hands you know? <laughs> <laughs> but, but with uh childhood trauma i feel like every time i write a blog and it's such a bummer and nobody has comments anymore because what do you say it's like i they don't know what to say because it's i mean how could the last blog i'm talking about a little kid wanting to kill themselves you know and yeah. you got nothing to say do you so no. uh I feel like that's okay, you know, for me to feel that way. I'm just, I now, instead of glossing over things, I acknowledge my feelings. I acknowledge that I have that thought and that feeling, and I'm going to keep trudging through. But, you know, I'm, I don't have to make everything shiny and happy, you know. 
just because I'm walking down the street doesn't give you a right to say, hey, honey, smile, you know? <laughs> but I, I, I think there's something behind people that have gone through trauma or gone through experiences or dealt with mental issues or mental mm -hmm. illness are more prone to go into entertainment. We, we've talked about this before. But Is a lot it, of comics, especially. Exactly. Uh, Daryl Hammond. Daryl Hammond. Oh, um, did you see his uh, movie? Yeah, yeah. No, I did not see it. Oh, you should. But you might get triggered, though, because yeah. uh, he had a mom that was super mean. I mean, oh, I can't even tell you what she did. But it wasn't of a sexual nature. It was just she was one of these people that presented herself to the public one way, and then she had another personality that was brutal and wicked privately with him. And he repressed that information for so long. And then it started, he started drinking a lot. And, and this is common, the, the substance abuse to numb things and to try to repress the memories, you know? Now, you, you, you talked a, a little bit about this, you know, drinking numbs it so you don't have mm -hmm. to feel the real experiences. And I try to tell people this, okay? I'm much happier being off of the medication, the psychotropic drugs, and the alcohol because I never really was truly happy, but I was never truly depressed. I was in the middle. Yes, I have bad days now, but mm -hmm. I can actually enjoy the really good days. Does that, does that make sense? I agree. Yeah, I was thinking about that the other day because I was like, you know what? It does suck to have to feel all these horrible feelings. But the good news is that I feel empowered by putting this story in order. I feel empowered finding my own voice, right? So mm -hmm. that's a good thing. There are many good things that are coming out of this. And the fact that I get to be in the moment and help another human you know, and I get up early in the morning now. I'm, you know, I used to, you know, have a terrible sleep schedule. I had insomnia, and now I have. I still a sleep have it. How do you deal with that? You have to have a sleep protocol, my brother. You I know, know, but I cannot shut. You have this problem. I can't shut my brain down. No you matter how yoga. I we've talked about this, and I want to do it. I'm going to come out. I'm, I'm down with it. I'm ready. Doing, I'm actually, I'm actually doing wheelchair aerobics with Jana Banana today oh, yeah. at three. She'll wear you out, man. You better watch out. <laughs> now, I, I've talked to Jana about this, and I hate complaining about my life to her sometimes because we talk because she, she has been through so much, and she's one of the most positive people persons that I've ever met in my life and I kind of envy that I really really do because I wish that I could have a positive outlook like she does with all the adversity she's had to face well the flip side of that is people like Jana you know because of that natural positive nature sometimes they can be overlooked when they are suffering well she, she talked to me about going through a bad time um yeah, i don't want to go into you know just like me because of my people pleasing qualities i just always wanted to 
you know, put on a happy face. And, you know, especially with social media, I think there is a tendency for people to want to put their best forward. And it kind of gets out of control. Because, you know, I have some friends that I know, uh, and I'm not naming names, but they if you look at their social media account, it looks just beautiful. Like, wow, <laughs> look at that. And then you talk to them in, in private, and you know the shit show that's actually happening, you know? And then you, you realize that there is a, a, a split between those two worlds. And there are people out there suffering that look competent. There are high achievers, because that's some people's way of dealing with trauma. Some people are over people that go to work. And they just keep busy and work, work, work all the time. So they never have to think about those bad things. Now, now is, is, is there such a thing of sharing too much, though? Because yeah. uh, we, 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 I talked about this. And, and I think that's been one of my problems with relationships in my life. Because mm -hmm. I don't get embarrassed. I really don't. Like, seriously, I, I don't get embarrassed. Right, well, um, radio, so. and, and I share everything, even though, even if I'm the butt of the joke and it makes me look bad, I will share that on the radio just because it could make somebody laugh or it could entertain somebody. Um, um, yeah, I mean, but I think sometimes you can't share too much and I think you have to be careful what your motivations are. Um, sometimes people use oversharing as a way to not actually uh, be intimate, you know, because if you say something that is so shocking to someone, they won't even respond. You'll sh you're actually in effect shut down the conversation because of the shocking thing, the inappropriate thing, the over the top thing that you say. And, and maybe subconsciously you're doing that on purpose because you really don't want to get beneath the surface. So you throw that little smoke bomb in there yeah, and then you won't have to deal with that at all. I mean, I but, know I've done that before. But but could it also be that you're because we we talked about this on the phone that you you do things without realizing it to sabotage things in your life. Like maybe me oversharing is my way of like, hey, maybe I will discuss this person so much with all the crappy things in my life that they won't, they won't want to have anything to do with me. Yeah, so I don't have to worry about ever losing that relationship. Yeah. I, that's what I said. It's a bit of self-sabotage and you just have, when you start knowing about these traits and that way you can spot them in your own life, that's mindfulness. You know, you hear that word mindfulness and you think of a group, you know, yoga, crap or something right oh what is that so oh, namaste right no but <laughs> mindfulness is simply just uh you know being in the present moment and when a feeling comes up instead of judging it you acknowledge it and then it will dissipate when the problem with trauma survivor is we've developed such a big fear of dealing with these things and that's because that information in the frontal lobe that's where reasoning is but this stuff is back here in in the ancient part of your brain you know, where the boogeymen yeah. live. <laughs> so it really gets out of proportion if you don't deal with it. You have to bring that. That's what EMDR is, is you bring it to that frontal lobe with the re recollection of emotion and the watching of, you know, the fingers back and forth. 
that brings it up into the present tense and it deals with you know what's happening today so you have to understand that there's no danger right now you're okay but like your body's always looking for it though but and that's because you have to resolve that trauma and you have to work on those neurological pathways in your mind and it's possible because two years of emdr therapy even though i haven't done it in about six months i'm still benefiting from those sessions six months ago now you you go to yoga and you you know you're doing the namaste stuff you let me ask you maybe do you believe in karma because this is something that comes up in my life because when i see bad things happen to good people all the time and i see really good things happen to bad people it really it it, it, it gives me less hope does that make sense yeah it makes sense i understand that perspective but thing is is how do you define bad people i mean it's besides hitler i think we can all agree he's a bad person <laughs> but well, i mean no, i agree you know what i'm saying everybody is a work in progress and i know that if you met me at at the most selfish times of my life maybe you wouldn't have wanted to be my friend you know i can only hope that those times when i wasn't at my best that i didn't affect people in a negative manner you know because hurt people hurt other people so that's the main thing that i can do and the responsibility that i have i can't control the bad things that happen to me but i sure as hell am responsible for getting the treatment and finding out about my situation so that i don't harm other people i could see that i mean i didn't try to, i didn't mean to get too all philosophical and oh, stuff yeah, it, it? it was just it, you know i it was a question because I, I think I, I don't know. Don't you I think, think karma I, is some people just, it's wishful thinking because people like to think, oh, that bad guy, one day he's going to get his, you know? I think that's why people say they believe in karma. Uh, you know, I don't know if it's all that cut and dried. I think, you know, sometimes the punishments that we endure, we created ourselves because of our choices. So if that's what you mean by karma, yes. Yeah. Now, um, this, this might be a, a sensitive question, and, and um, everybody wondered why I always had this uh, opinion. And now that I've talked to people about my trauma and stuff um, personally, mm -hmm. why, why, why do you think they're having such a problem? And, and, and you don't have to answer this if you don't want to, but there is a problem in the Catholic Church with the abuse that's going on there, the molestation of kids. Mm -hmm. What needs to be done to move forward to help these people that, that, that are victims? Um, well, I think pe people need to just um, start being more mindful and aware of what's going on around them. Uh, and, you know, I think the problem with some of the religious institutions and I'm not Catholic, Jack is Catholic, but from my observation, from taking the kids there and stuff, um, the problem is, like, the priests are kind of, you know, the way they present them is, well, they can turn the bread and the, and the, and the grape juice into the blood in the body of Christ, so that basically they're superheroes. Yeah. No, and then you wonder, you know, the kids. So now there's this all-powerful figure 
who is really just a guy in a robe and and you've put this status on him which puts him in a position where he could take advantage of a kid so i think that that power dynamic is is not good uh, i think making it clear to all involved that uh, the person that is the priest preacher teacher guru whatever religion you're in is not god that is somebody who is uh, a conduit and is there to help other human beings but because i think pe- the kids get it mixed up you know because these are just powerful people like a teacher look where your teeth there's going to be coaches and there's going to be you know the pedophiles okay it's not a bunch of famous people with an island it's maybe yeah. that ha- yes that happened and that does happen okay but it's next door it's down the street it's the cubs you know it's the scout master it's the it's the teacher it's the coach it's it's the priest it's the but you know it's not that institution necessarily that is evil but the will be where the children are okay they're going to be in that power position where they can put the power on the kid but but does but does trust come into play as well because i've I've seen and read a lot about people that have been taken advantage of and have had these traumatic scenarios all came from people that they trusted sometimes i'm not saying all of them well, no, that's the, the whole modus operandi of a pedophile is to groom their victim. And trust has to be established. And they do that many different ways. I mean, look at Jeffrey Epstein, okay, that POS. He sits there and knew that there's a certain kind of girl, and I was that girl, Tuttle, when I was yeah. a teenager, okay? And that's why all this conspiracy crap about the pedophilia thing, and it, it makes me mad because... I was a victim of human trafficking. And guess what? It was just some stupid poor guy in Cleveland. There's so much of this stuff happening everywhere, right in front of our faces. And people are worried about freaking, uh, it was so Yeah, crazy. well, I mean, I, I mean, it, it happens. I read some stats of the people that have been abducted and could be just in the house right next door and you would never even know it. Well, I just read an article the other day that they did a huge bust in uh, Mexico because a lot of those resort towns, these young women are, you know, uh, enticed from Venezuela and from Brazil and they're promised to great. And then they do the bait and switch, you know, and it's been that way for centuries. This stuff has been around forever. And instead of making up some fantastical story that gets your rocks off about some conspiracy of famous people, start looking around in your neighborhood, man. (laughs) Start paying attention to these little children. If they got, you know, glazed over eyes and they look like they they need some help, they might. (laughs) So so let me ask you, I I, want to get, um, I want to, I want to get into something and then I want to say more because I seriously could talk to you for hours. So, what is your plans this weekend? What are you doing for fun? Any big plans? Well, my whole, I'm very obsessive, you know. So now my obsession is that I've spoken. And now I know how to go 
the step up and get the holy shit good, right? Is called a braiding essay. So I'm going to be doing something I never did before. Uh, you know, I'm a girl with a GED, okay? And I'm oh. taking on the task of not only dealing with my trauma, but learning how to be a writer at the same time. And a lot of my triggers have to do with um, education and, you know, being demeaned because of my grades and stuff. And I'm intellectually insecure. But this is great for me. It's good for my self-esteem to have goals and dreams and keep trudging ahead and don't give up and everything. So, and, you know, if I can help some people along the way, that is the most important thing. You know, and I'm lucky if I get a chance to do that. One last question. How has this pandemic affected people like you and me and people that have, that, that have gone through traumatic things being cooped up in the house, not doing things and getting in their own head? I feel like I've been training for it my whole life. <laughs> Honestly, I was getting so bored with what I was before because when I started singing, it wasn't really much about the music, you know? I'm starting to realize how important music is to me, but I kind of lost that along the way because I started using performing as a way to lose, get, get out of myself and be someone else. You know, it, it really wasn't the real me. So now I'm getting to know who I am, you know, and being authentic about it in the process. So, you know, I don't know. I just didn't know, I didn't know, like, if, if this was going to be hard for trauma survivors, because the thing is, a lot of people don't realize this. People are still going through trauma, and they could be living in the same house with uh, the person that's covered. Right. Uh, of course. Well, that, on that level, okay, I, I worry about people, and that's one of the arguments for getting people back in the schools is that some of these kids don't have food to eat, and they may have abusive situations at home. And that their only time to get away would be to go to school, you know, and I certainly understand that and hear that. I mean, everybody re responds to trauma differently. Um, I already was a person that was pretty introverted when I wasn't on stage. I'm at home. Uh, a lot of, I spent a lot, I was isolated a lot as a kid. So I have a tendency to do that anyway. So that part of it, like I said, I was already trained for it, but um. I think hugging and human contact is important for people's mental health. And I think the constant bombardment of the news, you know, I'm not somebody who's gonna say, oh, it's all the media's fault, but they certainly do contribute to the negativity that, and it's a 20, the, what it is, it's a 24 hour news cycle and it's a hungry beast and it always yeah. has to be fed. And unfortunately there, you know, nobody wants to hear all, you know, puppies and kittens story. You know, like Dirty Laundry by Don Henley, remember? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. On set. <laughs> so it's well, just, Naomi, you know. well, Naomi, uh, tell people how they can check out your, your website and your blog. So people can expect maybe next week for your newest blog, correct? Yes, because I'm going to start working it on it today after we get done talking. And I hope I can get it to holy shit good. <laughs> Fingers crossed, but uh, it should be out next week. Thursday and I uh, hope it's tracingtrauma.com.
Shama.com. I'm also on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. The same. Well, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna send down and tell everybody to follow you and stay tuned. I want to get your uh, subscribers and everything up before next week. So that is tracingtrauma.com. Tell Jack I said hi. I really appreciate how you, uh, you agreeing to be on with me. You're you're one of my favorite guests, and I want to get your story out. You've helped me out tremendously, and you're one of my favorite people. Anytime you want someone to talk to, I'm here. I, I'm, I'm known as the person that will talk your face off. When we were on the road, the bands would say, oh, we want Naomi to drive in the car with us. Because I sit there, blah, 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 keep them awake all night. <laughs> well, thank Well, I appreciate it, Naomi, and I'll talk to you soon, okay? I love you. Bye. That's the show for today. Thanks for listening to the Tuttle Daily Podcast. Hey, don't be a dickhead. Do us a favor. Share, like, and subscribe to the show. Also, check out the Tuttle category at 315live.com. The Tuttle Daily Podcast was brought to you by Total Wireless of Palm Bay, StitchYouUp.com, PocketBearClub.com. Special thanks to show intern Hannah and Charlie Alamo for their contributions. Additional imaging and production is provided by CCA Productions. Facebook.com slash CCA Productions Presents. Show voiceover services brought to you by jcvoiceoverservices.com. That guy's got a goddamn sexy voice. You should hire him. If you want to help support the show, paypal.me slash Tuttle on the radio. Comments? Concerns? You want to let Tuttle know he's being a dick? Go to Tuttle at gmail.com. To follow all of Tuttle's social media, go to Tuttle.net. That's Tuttle with two Ds dot net. Thanks again for all your support, and we'll see you tomorrow on the Tuttle Daily Podcast.